Good morning to everyone. As we take a look this morning at our God question, is the Bible true? We'll be taking a look at the different sources and realizing again the answer to that question and how God's word is true. We can hold on to the promises of salvation that's found in Scripture. And we join together with the singing of our first hymn, Blessed Jesus at Your Word. Let us please rise we join in with our morning praise. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. God invites us to come into his presence and worship him with humble and penitent hearts. Therefore, let us acknowledge our sinfulness and ask him to forgive us. Holy and merciful Father,
Heavenly Father has been merciful to us and has given his only Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Therefore, as a call to Christ and by his authority, I forgive you all your sins, name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. For all that we need in life and for the wisdom to use all your gifts with gratitude and joy, hear our prayer, O Lord. For the steadfast assurance that nothing can separate us from your love, and for the courage to stand firm against the assaults of Satan and every evil, hear our prayer, O Christ. For the well-being of your holy church and all the world, and for those who offer here in their worship and praise, hear our prayer, O Lord. Merciful God, maker and preserver of life, uphold us by your power and keep us in your tender care. The works of the Lord are great and glorious. His name is worthy of praise. Almighty God, you see that we have no power to defend ourselves. Guard and keep us both outwardly and inwardly from all adversities that may happen to the body and from all evil thoughts that may assault and hurt the soul. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Please be seated. Our first lesson for this morning is recorded in Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 4. And the Jews taught that Abraham was saved by his good works and his model of good works. But Paul reminds us that Abraham was saved by faith in God's promise found in his word. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, discovered in this matter? If, in fact, Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does scripture say? Abraham believed God and was credited to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the one who does not work, but trusts God, 
who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. It is not through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be heir of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. For those who depend on the law are heirs. Faith means nothing, and the promise is worthless, because the law brings wrath. And where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore the promise comes by faith, so it may be by grace, and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring. Not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed. The God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. This is the word of our Lord. We continue with the singing of our psalm, Psalm 121. Our gospel lesson for this morning is recorded in John chapter 4. It's the woman, uh, the Samaritan woman. And we see it again that we are saved by faith alone. 
So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone to the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who takes it and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. Whatever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. This is the word of our Lord. We continue with the singing of our next hymn.
grace, joy, and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for this morning's meditation is recorded in Proverbs chapter 30. Dear friends in Christ, we've moved on to our second God question, is the Bible true? In last week, we looked at the first God question that many people have, is God real? If we would have said no, well, then we wouldn't have to worry about any more preaching. We realize that God is real, that there is this supreme being. But today, we want to take a look at the question, is the Bible true? I mean, how many times haven't you been asked that? Or, or maybe some people won't word it as a question, but more as, well, that's okay. You can believe in that. There's other books that are written. There's other books that we can read about God. What makes your book so more important than our book? Today, we're going to take a look. Take a look at the study of hermeneutics. It's how we got the Bible. But you have to remember, I had about five days a week for a few years at the seminary. So as I told the first service, I hope you brought lunch. We're going to be here for a while. But you don't really have to even have a long sermon to find the answer, is the Bible true? You can know the answer that it is true. That it is something that we can trust. You just take a look at what our words for our meditation state. Every word of God is flawless. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words or he will rebuke you and prove you a liar. Every word of God is flawless. You know what this means? It means it's perfect. Every word of God is perfect. There's no fault in it. And being perfect, there's nothing that will devalue or diminish the value of God's word. God's word is true. And all we have to do is take a look at, at the way, the continuity of the Bible, and to see this. I mean, there's other passages that talk about this. Um, we studied about it in Bible class between services. But we see how true this is. And I like the second verse of our text. Do not add to his words, or he will rebuke you and prove you a liar. I mean, we're also told in the book of Revelation, do not add or subtract from these words, or the plagues of this book will be added to you. So we are reminded again of the importance of keeping that word in its truth and purity. That it is his word. It just doesn't contain God's word, because then that would mean what is God's word and what isn't. The Bible is God's word. And we can be thankful about that. I mean, take a look at the continuity of that. How many books are in the Old Testament? It's in the 30s. 39. One way to remember, how many letters are in the word old? How many in the Testament? Nine. 39. How many books in the New Testament? 27. And who said God doesn't have a sense of humor? Three times nine is 27. 66 books written by about 40 authors, because again, not every book was signed, but we know there are about 40 authors, written over a period of time from about 1400 B.C. to 100 A.D., and granted there was those 400 years of silence after Malachi until Christ was born. But take a look at those readings. Take a look at the Bible. I mean, the Bible has books for all interests. In the Old Testament, Genesis to Esther is history. 
If you like poetry, well, you'll love from Job to Song of Songs or Song of Solomon. That's all poetry. And then you get from Isaiah to Malachi, you get the prophecy. The prophecy of, of Jesus coming. We'll talk more about that. The New Testament, well, you have the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You have a history book that's found in Acts. And then, yep, you have those letters. Those letters that were written to different congregations, different cities. And they were so excited to receive these letters. They knew it was God's word. They knew it was in truth and purity. They wanted to share it. And yes, they were commanded to share it with the next city. Like, okay, share it, you know, Oshkosh with Nina. Share it with Manasseh. And it would be spread throughout the area. Because it was that important. And then we have the prophecy of Revelation. Reminding us of the victory that the church will have. The victory and that heavenly realm that's waiting for us all. But take a look at this Bible. And take a look at how true it is. I mean, just take a look at the circulation of the Bible. There is no other book that has been circulated more than the Bible. No other book. And for hundreds of years, it was on the bestseller list. On the bestseller list. Because again, the people realized the importance of this word. We think of the translations of the Bible, that again, these aren't inspired like the Bible itself, but the translations. It's been translated over a thousand different languages. I mean, it's it spread throughout the world. The durability of the Bible, and this is what amazes me of, of how many governments try to hide the Bible, try to say you can't have a Bible in your homes. You take a look at China again or other countries where they said, no Bibles. But yet, how many Bibles are there? And one of our biggest mission fields and one of the most successful mission fields right now for us is over in China. The Bible's been spared. That word of God is there because God wants all people to be saved. He wants us to take out that word in that mission work and to share that news about a Savior. And think of the power of the Bible. The power that way it changes us. Oh yes, when I look at the Bible, I realize I've fallen short of that perfection that God expects I see his law. I see what he expects of me. I have sinned. But then I also hear the words that, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I get to hear about that salvation. I get to hear the words of Jesus saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I get to hear the promise of Jesus when he told the disciples and is telling us, Yeah, I went to go and prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will return for you to be with me forever in heaven. Actually, even in the book of Romans, we hear about that power of the gospel. And the word power actually means dynamite. We know what dynamite does, how powerful dynamite is. That's what scripture is. It's changed us to be his dear children, to be his forgiven children, and to live in this world. It's a light to our pathway, as we're told in Psalm 119. Oh, it'd be nice if it tells us what college to go to, what job to have. It'd be great. But it does tell us how to live in this world and give us the comfort that God is always with us. Take a look at the way that word was preserved for us. 
the way the scribes would make sure that the word would be kept there, from about 100 A.D. to 500 A.D., there were scribes that, as they dictated the different manuscripts, the different scrolls, they would um, wash themselves first to make sure that they were cleansed because they're going to be dealing with God's word. They had only so many lines that could be on the manuscript. Only 36 letters wide could be on the manuscript. When they came to the word Elohim, which is God in, in Hebrew, they would have to wash their pants, cleanse them. When they came to the God of the covenant, that almighty God, Yahweh, they would again would have to cleanse themselves. Wash themselves again, because they are dealing with God's word. Well, the Masoretes, who took over from about 500 A.D. to about 900 A.D., they knew how many syllables, how many letters, how many words were in a manuscript, were in a book. And you have to remember, again, they didn't have spell check. They didn't have, you know, the computers or copiers. But they would copy these. Others would read the word to them. But they would know where the middle of the book was. They would have to give it to an independent source to proofread it. They knew how many letters, how many syllables, backwards and forwards. And if there were two mistakes, well, the whole manuscript was okay. If there were three, the whole thing had to be thrown away and started over. That's how precise God wanted to make sure that his word was kept. That's how we can be assured that that word has been kept. And think of the different manuscripts um, there's 24,000, about 24,000 manuscripts in the New Testament, more than any other book in history. We all know that Caesar conquered um, Gaul or present-day France. And when, you know what was the years that Caesar lived, about 144 B.C.? The earliest copy that we have is about 900 A.D., about the Gaultic Wars, about a thousand years after the event took place. Or one of the greatest history books, you know, with Homer, the Iliad, that was written again, or about 900 B.C. The earliest manuscript we have is about 400 B.C., about 500 years afterwards. We have 634 copies of that. Ten of Caesar, about 24,000 in the New Testament. We realize then the way that's been preserved for us. Or take a look the way so many try to downplay the Bible and saying that it's not important. They'll look at the Old Testament and they'll say, well, the Jews talk about the Hittites. And in the secular world, couldn't find any history of the Hittites, so they were saying must be made up that they just made this up about some enemy. 1906, in one of the digs, they found the capital, capital city for the Hittites, and where scripture said where the Hittites lived, they could find the different cities. Or two, um, in the book of Daniel, where it talks about Belshazzar being the king. Again, they said there's no secular history of a king by that name. Well, in 1956, in one of the digs, they found three pillars that named King Belshazzar. Belshazzar. It was the son of the king, because the king went out on a long campaign with his army. He placed his son over his kingdom for that time period. No matter where we try to downplay scripture, Christ comes out. No matter where you cut scripture, the blood of Jesus comes through. 
flowing forth. Or you think of the prophecies of the Old Testament. The prophecies that talked about that coming Messiah, coming about Jesus. It said what family he belonged to, what lineage he was, what city he'd be born. It gave all these exact parts about the coming Messiah. So there'd be no mistake who Jesus was. 332 prophecies in the Old Testament. And Jesus fulfilled all those. They've done some study about how could um, one person, if one person could keep eight of those prophecies, of the 332, it would be, the chance would be one times tenth to the 17th power. And that number is huge. When you think of tenth to the 17th power, ten followed by 17 zeros, and that's just to fulfill eight of the prophecies. Someone did a math to figure this out. It would be like if you would lay silver dollars next to each other. Ten to the 17th power would be enough silver dollars to cover the whole area of Texas, the state of Texas, two feet deep. And then, to fulfill these eight prophecies, that 10th to the 17th power, you would have all those silver dollars. You would have one silver dollar that you would mark. You could stir it up among all those silver dollars covering the state of Texas, blindfold someone, and they were to pick out that silver dollar. Christ fulfilled 332. The word is there. The word given to us is true. That word that says, yes, you're sinners, but also gives us the comfort that salvation is ours. It also tells us that, again, we'll be looking forward to that heavenly realm where there'll be no more sorrow, no more death, no more crying, for the old order of things has passed away. We get to hear that word about, again, that Christ gave his life for me on the cross to cover my sins. Um, on the usher's table, um, there is a chart of reading through the Bible. I would encourage you to start tomorrow morning spending those 10 to 15 minutes to read through those. Take that time to read that word of God, to see his love, to see his care for us, to see that love again of even in the Lord's Supper where Jesus says, this is my body, this is my blood, to see that truth you do so, spending those 10 minutes a day, by March 12th of next year, you'll have gone through the whole Bible. And just don't do it for one year. Continue to get into that word. Get into that word that has those promises. That has that way of salvation mapped out for us. That has that comfort as we walk in this world. Is the Bible true? It surely is. It is that word of comfort and guidance. May we enjoy it now and forever. Amen. Let's please rise. May the peace of God surpass all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. And let's join together in confessing our faith with the whole Christian church on earth with the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God.
As we return our first fruits to our Lord has given us all things, the guest books are located in the chairs in the center aisle. Please take a moment to sign those. Can have record your visit with us this morning. rise for our prayers and in our prayers this week we'd like to remember Joyce Wilcox the mother of Dawn Johnson who again uh, has turned with her medical conditions and has turned to God's hands. Let's bow our heads in prayer Heavenly Father our great physician we ask you to be with Mrs. Wilcox at this time of need may Joyce and her family know again that your protecting hand is around her give again the strength her nurses that are taking care of her and give knowledge to the doctors. And may again this family remember that truly the victory over death is for all of us. Continue to give them that peace in knowing again what's waiting for us beyond this world. We ask this in our Savior's name. Amen. Heavenly Father, once again, we thank you for giving us your word. For through that word, yes, we realize that we are sinners but we also know the victory that you gave us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Continue to be with us as we study that word, that it may grow in our hearts and be in our lives and in our words and in all our actions. May we find the peace that only you can give, telling us about salvation that is ours and the victory that's waiting over death. May we remember the good news that Jesus is the resurrection of life. And may we hold on to these promises as we wait for that day to sit by your throne to give our praise. All this we ask in our Savior's name who taught us to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. And we prepare our hearts for the sacrament. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let's give thanks to the Lord our God. Praise to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In love he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. He made his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. 
and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Be praise and thanks and honor and glory forever and ever. Our Lord Jesus Christ, the night that he was betrayed, took bread, and given thanks, he broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he took the cup, gave thanks. Gave to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood, the new covenant, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this whenever you drink in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always. be seated. For the Lord's Supper, you be ushered up in the center aisles. You will receive the elements, dispose of the cups and the baskets, and return to your chairs in the side aisle. We will not be singing the distribution hymn this morning.
Having heard the word of our Lord and received the body and blood of our Lord and Savior in his supper, let us please rise and continue our praise and singing, Thank the Lord. Hear the prayer, you people, Lord, that the lips which have praised you here may glorify in the world, that the eyes which have seen the coming of your Son may long for his coming again, and that all who receive his true body and blood, the pledge of your forgiveness, may be restored to live a new and holy life through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Brothers and sisters, go in peace, live in harmony with one another, and serve the Lord with gladness. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you, be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. Please be seated. Just a reminder of our Lenten services this coming Wednesday at 12.15 and 6.30. One opportunity we have to come in and to hear about that passion of our Lord and his resurrection, that victory that is ours. We'll conclude our service with the singing of our last hymn. 